Welcome to the Cloudonics CX Verse podcast. In this series, we are exploring everything related to customer experience. Hi, everyone. It's Eric from Cloudonics here with this week's CX Verse podcast. Today, I have with me Kate Bradley Chernus from Lately.ai. How are you doing, Kate? Hey, Eric. I'm great. It's so nice to lay eyes on you. We've had a lot of interchange over the old uh, emails. So, hi, human. Let's start with, tell me a bit about Lately and what you're doing there. Thanks. Lately uses artificial intelligence to learn any brand or individual voice. And then it also will automatically learn exactly what words, phrases, and even the sentence structures on social media that your target audience will respond to. And it takes long form content and turns it into social posts that contain all of that information to get you really high engagement. Okay, so it's predominantly taking things and kind of looking for the keywords that people will find or interesting and targeting it out to social, not call centers or other things, which I've spoken to various people about in the past. Right, no, we stick to organic social only. So essentially you, you push a button and you get not just amazing social posts, but there are social posts that blow minds. So, and I'll put some proof in that pudding for you. So we at Lately only use Lately to market Lately, and we have a 98% sales conversion because the AI is so good at knowing exactly what those ideas are, what those words are that will drive engagement and make people lean forward and say, wow. Okay. So this, this is to get people, if you would, in the door, so to speak, being a little old school about this. How does it work in terms of customer engagement and customer experience? Yeah, so I used to be a rock and roll DJ. My last gig was broadcasting to 20 million listeners a day for XM Satellite Radio. And one of the things that I studied, Eric, was how the neuroscience of music listening moves people the way way it does, right? So music is really powerful, right? And I'll, I'll get into this a little bit because it's, it's all related. When your brain listens to a new song, Eric, it must instantly access every other song you've ever heard in that instant. And what it's doing is it's looking for the familiar touch points that it can find so it knows where to log that new song in the memory of the library of your brain, okay? And again, in this moment comes forth nostalgia and memory and emotion and all the things that make music so powerful. Segue to writing. I was a fiction writing major, so. I know this as well. When you're writing, there's the same idea where your voice, Eric, is like a song. There's a musical note. There's a frequency to the sound of your voice. And as an author, I'm, I'm going to read what you, whatever you write. I'm going to hear your voice in my head. So it's your job to then also tr- trigger nostalgia and memory and emotion in that writing in order to get the fan effect here. Right? You see the parallel? Got it. So <laughs> around what we do at Lately is, you know, we're not interested in just giving people something nice to say or something valuable to say. We want that super high impact, right? That 98% sales conversion or like we got Gary Vaynerchuk, a 12,000% increased engagement. We want people to, again, lean forward and, and say, wow, with the words. And using this overarching idea of those touch points, giving them those familiar touch points in order to create this engagement is something we learned about dealing with our customers as well. So 
our motto is make a fan, don't make a sale. Okay. So it actually is unlike traditional customer experience, which is post-sales kind of behavior, you're actually trying to turn a prospective customer not only into a into a customer, but into an advocate and really push those net promoter scores and things like that early on. Yes, exactly. So in the last four years, not one day has passed where some someone has not written about us on social media every single day. Like our social proof is skyrocketed. And it's a combination of the AI, with what we're broadcasting. It knows how to move people in that way. But it's also my team. So my team, I hired a bunch of non-sales people. <laughs> And every time we've brought in, because we've, we've made this mistake. I mean, I, I, we all have done it, right? Where we've brought in some huge sales person with a massive Rolodex. I say Rolodex still. And, you know, they're, they're swinging their flag around like they're all that. And they end up doing nothing. And my team of aw shucksers outsells them, you know, three to one. And people think it's fluffy to talk about engagement and listening and, conversations but this is the way sales works it always has nothing has changed since somebody sold the first wheel right marketing and sales are the same thing in that in that entity it's all about trust trust is the, is the baseline so how do you create trust you have to get familiarity that's that nostalgic piece mm -hmm. right that's the memory all those components we did this today me and you before you hit record we talked for a few minutes we talked about where we were. We got connection on the Hudson Valley, where I am. You've clearly been here because you knew the places. You knew the names to rattle off to get me to open up to you, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and yes, the See, answer is uh, I'm a misplaced New Yorker. So, yes, all of the places I've spoken <laughs> to you about are places I know intimately well. Um, <laughs> I studied in New York. I grew up in the area. So I, I know the area is exactly what to talk about. And we didn't get into the author factor, which is another one we could have used build that kind of connection. And I'll ask you about what you write and stuff later. But <laughs> looking at this, one of the things I, I wrote an article a couple of years ago talking about the Red Rose experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I heard this story and I'm not even sure where I originally got it. You have a problem and you bring in an exterminator. You go through the, well, it's an old story because you, you go through the yellow pages and you find the exterminator, you come call them, they come in, they spray. Two or three years later, you have the problem again. You don't remember who you used. So you go back to the yellow pages. Okay? And the new guy comes in, comes in, sprays, leaves a business card and a red rose on the table. Thank you for your, uh, for your patronage. Now, who, which of the ones are you going to remember to call the next time you need or to talk about? That red rose going, that, that stupid little $1 extra <laughs> sticks in your mind and makes, makes you a promoter for their services going forward. And, and what you're describing is taking that same logic one step earlier into the process, into the pre-sales and the build brand awareness, build uh, the experience, even before they've spoken to you, even before they've placed an order, is, is a whole extension beyond what we've talked about in the past. Exactly. Yeah. And part of the reason is because with marketing especially, there's a very long tail. You never know when it's going to come back to convert. That's that how it's going to come or how it's going to come back. Right. you you just have to lay down the groundwork and some of it is prey. I mean, that's just part of the magic of marketing. And what we found is the comeback is, you know, two and three fold when you do this. Right. And it's partly because of that, that memory, that red rose you're talking about. 
we also kind of trick the system too. And I'll, I'll share that with you as well. <laughs> so we have, um, we have a channel in our Slack account called Sharing is Caring. And we use this in a several ways. One way is when we have target customers that we, we want, we will follow them in all the social places and we will grab social posts about them, pop it in Sharing is Caring, and my entire team tasked with sharing liking and commenting and boosting this post of the customer that we're trying to acquire. Okay. And we'll do that multiple times. Now, once we make them a customer, we continue to do that. So you're, you know, we're on your team, right? The other thing we do, by the way, is we do that with our, just as an aside, we do that with our own social as well. So our artificial intelligence learns from me. I don't use the AI for my own posts. I use me. And we take everything I write and we put it in that same channel and we all boost it. And then we get the AI to learn from that, you know? So there's this bleed over of the process, you see? It gets you more exposure, it gets more connections. Because if the customer sees that you've liked it, somebody inside the company at the customer is going to go, hey, wait a second, these guys keep liking us, who the heck are they? And as you know, fans start within, from within, okay? And so if your own employees are not your fans, you've got problems, bad ones, right? They're, everyone trusts the employees the most because they're on the inside. So what they say is very valuable on social. Yes, as we just so saw you want to, with, with Twitter and right. how, how yeah, yeah. slapping down your own, your own product turns out to, to bite everybody in the, yeah. There you go, you know, and, that's that's my toughest job, Eric, is making sure that my team is happy because, you know, I'm not the nicest person. I mean, I, I hire I surround myself with other bubbly people because I'm more direct. You know, I'm not I'm not the cheerleader. I have to really try hard. And um, I often ask my team not to pick pick a paycheck. You know, this drill, too. Right. We it's a startup. There's good times and there's a lot of bad times. And I have to really think about who the people are, what, what makes them excited. Each individual, like I send little gifts to certain, I send gifts to everyone on my team. But I also know that some people, what kind of, what kind of strokes do they respond to? You know, yeah. what makes them excited? What, what motivates them? Some people it's loyalty. Some people it's praise. Some people it's money, you know? Yes. Some people <laughs> money is exactly the wrong motivator in spite of what they think. Yes, that always surprises me. I mean, most of the people on my team are not motivated by money, which is amazing. Lots of investors can't understand that, which is also annoying to me. I mean, no, I, I know my team better than anyone else. How dare you put on what you think they might like, right? So I can remember working um, for a company back in probably 97. We had a, uh, a call him a getter. He wasn't actually a sales guy, but he was a meeting, meeting finder kind of person who tried to convince management, double my salary and I will double my effort. And man <laughs> management decided, yeah, that's not going to fly. We'll double right. your commission potential, but we're not going to double your base. And he yeah. just didn't understand why they wouldn't go for it until it was explained to him. It's like, if we give it to you, you'll be great for three months and then you're going to ease back down again and we get nothing for the extra. If you want to get, if you want to earn it, you have to earn it. Constantly. And, and yeah. it depends on people, how they're motivated. Yes, it's very different, and how you're going to put up with uh, the grief of a startup is an interesting place to be. The grief, I love it. 
that term. <laughs> Unfortunately, as much fun and as much as running a startup is, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of grief and you have to both decide what motivates your people and unfortunately what things you have to shelter them from. Yeah, that's certainly what I've learned. I mean, I've, I've, I've played open book with my team for most of the time and I still mostly do. I mean, I don't lie to them, but there's less things I share now because I can, it's so hard to be the, the sole bearer of the stress as you know well, right? And I do take comfort in sharing that stress when I'm not the only bearer of it, but I've had to learn who, who can handle it and who can't, you know? Yes, and when it's I, gonna distract somebody to know. Yeah, I mean, often, often there's not more than a month of runway technically speaking. I mean, I always have, I mean, I can make it at any time. So there's nine to 18 months of runway. I can do that. You know, I know that I can do that. I have plans in place to do that. But, but technically speaking, this is how we live a lot. And that's hard for me to live with, you know? <laughs> so I just don't share that anymore. Knowing, knowing you have at least one person who you can do that with is what has made us successful. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not the CEO, I'm the chief operating officer, but our, the CEO and I kind of in, swap back and forth. So we're both keeping each other apprised of expenses, anticipated work, and we kind of pull it together so we can kind of share the load emotionally. Yeah. But we've discovered there are things that you don't let the developers hear until after the fact. That's the ticket. And I think what's interesting is what you do share is so important as well, because you want that emotional buy-in, right? I need the, I, the, I rely on, we're all in this together, that I have to rely on that, right? That's, again, it's how we treat our customers. It's, it's, it's everything about the way we work and knowing exactly when to let people in and how often, and, and I, this sounds calculating because it is, um, when to leverage it, right? When to use that so. kind of connection. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just part of, part of the deal. But, um, and that goes with our customers as well. I mean, what's, what's so nice is even customers that have churned almost always still talk about us online. They're, you know, they might not have been the right fit at the right time. They come back or maybe they don't come back, but they're still happy to sing our praises. And that comes from this, like it's not, it's, and it's often not me who did this. It's Chris bro, or it's Kristen or it's Brian or Jason or, or Greg, like my, my teammates. Katie, right? They're the ones that solidified those relationships and made a cheerleader out of someone else. Makes sense. Um, and and it's because, promoters. go on. Yeah, yeah, the net promoter score. No, it's because too, oh, go ahead. A net promoter score from a former customer is even better than a net promoter score from a current customer in many ways. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, because the assumption is that everyone who's left hates you <laughs> right and something yeah. something's not normal here it's worth checking out that's one thing we've had to learn by the way is that and this is not true with investors necessarily so let's take that aside because it is so much part of my life but with customers a no often means not right now and you just have to remember that life changes covid happens elon musk happens you know <laughs> new features happen and we've found the go back to be very fruitful, but it's that remembering to go back, you know? So it's like the patient worm 
gets the bird. Okay, the, so, word, yeah. the patient bird. The patient bird gets the worm. <laughs> the patient worm doesn't get the bird is more accurate, but yes, the patient bird gets the worm. Okay. Got it. She's crazy. Just say it in the background. She's crazy. It's okay. All of the best ones are. That's what I keep telling my husband. <laughs> Same people don't go out and start their own business. They get something nice and, and cushy and long-term with low stress about whether or not you're getting paid at the end of the month. Whether that's true or not, as, again, the, the great layoffs that are going on now indicates, you can never tell. But working for a company that's got billions of dollars and can kind of expect they're still going to be here next week is a very different thing that I'm going to put my whole life on the line to start a startup. Yes, it is. It's a certain kind of crazy, as you mentioned. And it's addictive, for sure. Yes. <laughs> but at some point, you burn out from the adrenaline, so you better take breaks. Yes. So give me a, if you can, without getting into trouble with with sharing too many customer details of a case where, where these kinds of things have really worked for a customer. Well, let's see. David, David Merman Scott is an example. He is an investor. He's a very famous marketer. He wrote a book called The New Rules of Marketing and PR. It's in its eighth edition. Lately, it was part of the last edition. I met, I met David via Mark Roberge, who formerly was the CRO of HubSpot that took them to IPO. So when I met David, it was very lucky. He happens to also be the author of a book called Phenocracy, which essentially is about the neuroscience of fandom and um, how the Grateful Dead kind of used that and, and leveraged it so well, among other things. And he's a huge Dead fan. So I met him right away he was like i'm becoming a customer oh my god and i'm going to invest in your company and he's been a great champion he uses lately uh, every day actually and has given us like a million gifts right he he talks us up he shares us he gets us new customers now he's obviously invested to do that but that the investment didn't come first the customer came first right and it was part of that connection i mean we just had a million things in common there but we see this even with um you know, we're working with, I'm just trying to decide if I'm allowed to say who this is. We're working with a very large company <laughs> that used to be a very large lighting company and still is a lighting company, but reframed themselves. What's been so fun with them is, again, this idea of making fans and making friends, the commonalities. One day recently, their head of digital just shared a post that I had written out of the blue and just said all these nice things about me. And I was really surprised because he's so low key. I, I was intimidated by him, you know, but, and he's witnessing the, the pilot we're in at a distance. So it just by surprise, you know, I don't know if those are the best examples, but David Allison is another good one. He's a consultant to the United Nations. Get this, his company is called Value Graphics. It's so fascinating, Eric. They study the values that we have in common there's 54 of them that they've identified across humankind and they are able to group what humans will do next based on what they care about versus demographics which would be age location height all that kind of stuff so values like loyalty productivity and all these kinds of things what's fascinating about that and i'm tangenting is someone in Tel Aviv, who's a man who maybe let's just say you were in the paper towel business and I'm in the cactus business 
they can discover that there's all kinds of things that we actually have in common, even though it seems that we're so far apart, right? And it's a very powerful tool. With David, he was paying $3,000 a month for a social media agency to write his content. He was always correcting it himself and spending all this extra time. He took lately, ran his book through my product. He used those social posts to promote it. When he launched on Amazon, he was number one in the world within the first two hours. And he only used us for all of his marketing. And with David, I've never met this person. I feel like he's one of my closest friends. He's constantly, it's the gift that keeps on giving. He'll be on a show like this. He'll say something about us. He'll even clip it up and give it to me so I can use it again. Or someone else will come my way and say, oh, David Allison introduced me to you. Uh, and it's just like, and he'll text me every once in a while. Like, you look great today. <laughs> you know, just these random kinds of things. And this is that idea. It's about, I don't have time to spend with David. I don't have time to like have a hang of conversations and all that, but he's in my peripheral enough so that I know if I keep, if I keep track of him and if I do some, do some good every once in a while, it's just enough fuel to keep him, keep that train pumping it out for me. That sounds so yeah. calculating. I mean, I am calculating, so whatever. Yeah. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. But that's, that's what I do, by the way, like with, and any entrepreneur who's ever worked with any uh, Fortune 500 company before, with them, this is all you're doing. You're, you're making fans across everywhere, whether it's in engineering or dev or sales or M&A, you just move it. It's, there's like 50,000 chess games going on at once and you get to move a piece maybe once a month, but that's the game, right? Just, just keep in front and keep everything moving. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense. And sometimes it's just as much, it's just like, so we send brownies every once in a while as, as little gifts, not very often, but if somebody does something like this for us, they jump out of their skin to do some crazy nice thing for us. We just send them these brownies. They're really good. <laughs> these are your red rose. There are red rose. Yeah. To, to some, I mean, you know, there's, it's funny because there's that, but there's also the sharing and caring, right? That's our constant mm -hmm. red rose going on. Well, you've got an advantage over us. I don't have enough bodies that we that sharing and caring would matter very much. It would be two extra posts. Well, we, no, no, no. We only have seven of us, but it's just, you know, we also ask our investors. We ask our customers to pile on. That's how I got Gary V like on his radar is we janked a post. He wrote about something. We were like, holy shit, we got to pile on this. We all did. And then I sent it to everyone I know and said, please pile on, like literally everyone I know. So then now we're making noise, you know. And I remember his team asking me, like, wow, you guys really get a lot of noise on social. And I was like, well, <laughs> we manufactured that one. <laughs> no, but the truth you is, is that, that's your business is to make noise on social. So if you can't, it is. then you probably have a problem with what you're selling. So it's good. Right. <laughs> right. The shoemaker has to wear shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Plus, like, it's what else is incredible, Eric, is when most of the time when you ask, ask people for help, they will give it to you, or they want to at least. You just have to ask them for the kind of help that they're able to give, you know? And, and not hit them. That's the real trick. That's right, knowing how often to go back to the well. I, I think about in the States public radio a lot because, uh, I, and I worked in public radio also, they're very good. If they go back to the well three or four times a year, same well every year, right? But they've, they've and, learned that they can um, do it four times, but they can't do it six. <laughs> right, not six, exactly. You know, when I worked in public radio, one of the things I learned, by the way, 
is to never, when you're doing a fundraise, never use the word need because a needy team is needy and it makes you look like you're a loser and nobody wants to give money to the needy team. And there was a lot of sort of psychological tricks there. Other ones were, if, if anyone's ever listened to any kind of fund drive, I think this stuff is fascinating. So in um, a six minute pitch, which is what you have to typically, you choose one number. If it's 50 bucks, you're gonna get $50 pledges. But if it's a thousand, you'll get those thousand dollar pledges. You just have to pick the number, right? Isn't that interesting? I think about that on social media all the time. Like, what am I gonna say? I'm gonna say one, stick to one thing, yeah. Cool. We're beginning to run out of time and I, I wanna be uh, kind to the fact that you've got a hard stop. Uh, was there anything else you'd like to add? I think that the most most important thing in CX is the golden rule, do unto others. For a long while, it felt like that and the concept of the follow-on sale was lost out of the entire experience. And it's only started coming back in the last couple of years, which I'm grateful for. But through the 90s and the early 2000s, it was get the hit, run, get the hit, run. And that's not the way you, you have to do things. So yeah, the, the golden rule, keep it going, keep it go there because the net promoter, the, the follow-on sell, the referral is the way you're going to succeed. And yes, this is all the experience of your pr prospects and customers then. So Exactly. Thank you, Kate, for your time. It's been lovely chatting with you and uh, hope to actually get to meet with you in the city at some point when we get back to the States. Me too. Great. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the CX-Verse. Please sign up to learn about future episodes. We are looking for feedback and new speakers, so please be in touch.